You're listening to the Black Eagles podcast with Sinan Schwarting and Khan Bayazid. Welcome back, everybody! Episode 99 of Besiktas International's The Black Eagles Podcast. And boy, uh, 99, one episode before 100, and what a time for things to kick off on the news front. Uh, we are back at you guys, coming in. I'm Sinan Schwarting, live from New York City. Uh, we were just with you guys on the 19th, and we're coming back within the same week. Uh, and you guys probably all know why. We've got some matches to talk about and some news. And with me to discuss it all is Khan Bayazid! How you doing, sir? Uh, I'm good, thanks. And boy, did it kick off. Uh, what a crazy week. What a crazy 72 hours, Sinan. It's been, um, it's all been, well, I, I would say it's been highs and lows, but there's been no highs, really. Uh, maybe a little bit of high, uh, for In the last few hours, perhaps. Yeah, I mean. It's starting to get a little you know, high. Because we have now, we have some hope, some, yeah. some possibilities, some discussion. Yeah, for sure, for sure. About. There's lots to talk about. Of course, there's the Siva Spore match, which, as everyone already knows by now, we lost at home for the second year running against Sivaspor 1-2 to uh, and then I think everyone was kind of expecting okay you know what I mean Sivaspor are a good team um, it's not the biggest is that they're on top of the table yeah they're right? on top like... of the table I think our, our chances the title were slim after those back-to-back defeats against Malatia and Fenerbahce so I think we all kind of knew look if we don't win this Sivaspor match the title is kind of out of the picture for us but then on, on Wednesday, we had an important match at home against second division team Erzurumspor. Uh, we yeah. had lost previously last week 3 to 2 in, in the blistering cold in Erzurum. And I think everyone kind yeah, of. And the frozen tundra, as I said. Yeah. Well, and, and to further, some, like to, to sort of on the back of what you were just saying about how after Sivas and, you know, with the kind of the creeping realization that this is just not our year or whatever. I think I, I literally heard a lot of people say, especially in our group chat, but so now the Turkish Cup is the most important. This yeah. is where we have to succeed. So, go on, Khan, as you were saying. <laughs> well, yeah, and you know, I mean, uh, we were speaking about a little bit our finances as well and how our finances were down compared to last year. And for example, in a European competition, or our, our income was down by 4 million lira, I think, or something like that. And uh, we had a discussion recently as well with one of our people, you know, one of the folks in our group who, who said, well, we, maybe it would be best if we don't go to Europe. And we made the case, look, uh, yes, I can see where you're coming from in terms of uh, schedule and uh, calendar accumulation. It's, it, you know, that's an un- understandable uh, mindset, but the club right now needs every penny they can get. 
Europa League money isn't the cha isn't Champions League money, but it's still a significant amount of income. It still makes a difference of you know seven to ten million euros a year if you make. To use a cliche, right? Beggars are not choosers. Yeah. <laughs> so and and the easiest way for us to qualify for the Europa League will be winning the, the Turkish Cup. Um, yeah. You know, quite frankly, because with this defeat against Sivaspor, we're now down, I don't know, to seventh place or something in the league. Um, you know, Sivaspor going strong. They're not going to drop out of the top five, I think. Uh, Apparently. But <laughs> Shakshi here, Trabzonspor, and then you still have Fenerbahce. So that's that's the top four already. And then you still have Galatasaray, who just who did win this weekend. We lost, so they're on level points with us now. Um, you know, so we're going to have to fight it out maybe with Galatasaray and, and other clubs for, for place number five maybe even that's what it's currently looking like and quite frankly I wouldn't put my house on that right now so the best chance for us was to win the cup and the thing we had to do to do so was beat Erzurum Sport turn around a 3-2 away loss we got two away goals in the frozen tundra as you said Sinan and then we go and we do it we turn the match around we because they scored after just 30 seconds but we managed to turn it around we make it 2-1 in the second half and suddenly I had these Club Brugge flashbacks of a couple of years ago where you know remember after Ramon Mota scored and we all thought oh amazing we're in the quarterfinals through and, and, and we all know what happened afterwards and it kind of was like that in, in, in a smaller uh, you know not, not as dramatic but in a similar fashion where we just completely wet the bed and they won they beat us too to yeah. at Vodafone Park the second division side Erzurum Sport against it wasn't completely our A team but like um, eight out of eleven players were our regular starters on the pitch. We were up against yeah, yeah. a team and Erzurum Sport that were, weren't even playing all of their regulars because they're focusing mainly on getting their promotion to the Super League because they're, I believe, currently in second position in the second division. So they obviously want to get their promotion to the Super League. That that's their backup. So and it should be noted they were in the Super League last season. Yeah, yeah, so for it's sure. not like they're uh, far removed. No, and it. and they were very unlucky to get relegated last season. It's a team I really like, uh, like last true. season. I I, really I I remember they they had adopted an interesting transfer policy where they and I'd never seen this before. Certainly not in Turkey. They were targeting sort of Scandinavian. You know, they, oh, yeah. they, they had brought in a number of interesting trends. Remember Rashad Mohamed? He played for uh, yeah, yeah, uh, that team Sarpsborg last season that Sarpsborg, we played in the yeah. Europa League, and they got him from them uh, in January yeah, exactly. after he, I think, scored against us. Exactly, yeah. They'd gotten a number of actually Scandinavian players, which was interesting. Um, so yeah, well, not, had, not just from the league like Mohamed, but but even actual, you know, they had a bunch of bulky scan, scans <laughs> on the team. Uh, so, you know, I, I was curious to see where that could go. And, and the I'm, funny thing is, you know, last season when, when they were in the Super League and when the calendar came out at the beginning of the season, I was praying that we didn't have to go to Erzurum in January or February because I know how cold it gets in Erzurum in that time of year. And I remember, okay, the er, yeah, I remember my dad telling me stories when I was a kid of Erzurum Sport and how nobody wanted to go to Erzurum Sport in the winter. Like Galatasaray, Fenerbahce, Bishtech always were afraid to go there in the winter. 
and that's something that always stuck with me so when they promoted back well actually back this is a new club this is not the original Erzurum sport but they adopted the same colors it's kind of like the, the whole Gaziantep uh, Gazishi here Gaziantep sport yeah. it's kind of the same thing same story Erzurum used to even have mountains in their logo and now yeah. they've got some sort of bird thing but they do have like this dark blue and light blue you know like even their logo mm -hmm. implies that people are cold <laughs> somehow yeah uh, you know, uh, they're, they're called Bükşehir Erzurum not Yeni Erzurum sport or anything but you know it's yeah. basically the new Erzurum sport anyway um so I was so let's let's talk some details about this match I feel like um it it merits because there there were some goals scored on both sides that are of, that are sort of interesting and I think what was really fascinating about the Erzurum match is that they scored in the first minute and so we were all kind of we built up the match and the, and yep. the cup and everything for the for, throughout the week Oh, we're excited to see Besiktas play, and this is an important match. And yeah. surely Abdullah Avci will have uh, gotten his men up for this one, you know, because this is big for his career. There's already talk of him being fired, you know. Yeah, after. this was. Uh, I mean, I I think, I think it's fair to fire him after this because it's. Oh, hundred. Oh, I mean, look, we're out of the Europa League. We're out of the title race. This was the last thing we had to play for, and. Um, I feel like he took it serious, but not serious enough. Because why is Vida not in the lineup? Why is yeah? I mean, Atiba not being in the lineup. Okay, I kind of get fine. Yeah, oh, so especially given how important he's been. I understand that to a degree because you want a little bit of because you have to score. So maybe it's understandable that you're not playing with two defensive midfielders. I get that decision. Um, but why do you start with Umut and why do you start with and why don't you start with Vida? Those are two decisions that I don't understand and I think are unforgivable. Uh, unless Vida is injured, um, he should always start in a match like this because this was an extremely important match and it doesn't matter to me that it's a second division team. You have to beat them, so you can't take any risks. You have to start with the best possible lineup there is. And there's people who are like, oh, well, you should be beating them with your B team, blah, blah, blah. I don't care. You cannot take that risk. I and agree, he took especially that risk. given the significance of this match. And just the fact that it was the, like, it's the first time that Victor Doris and Enzo Rocco were playing side by side. Like, what a time to try oh, something. Oh, yeah. New. He's done that throughout the season. Like, he's changing stuff. I mean, forcibly so sometimes, but... But this wasn't. Like, this is yeah. not stable. This wasn't... I mean, I, I, do, I have never heard anything of, of Vida being injured. Uh, Buga came in later in the match when we needed to score, and he almost instantly scored as well. Yeah, well, and uh, so, yeah, let's talk about this. So, I mean, yeah. so, in the first minute... Oltan Karakulukcu, what a name, scored, and that that kind of sullied the whole thing. And and, and immediately we're, we're on the we're on the counter and we're kind of in a frenzy because like the, the 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 stakes have been risen, right? Mm. And but then Diaby scores, and yep. it's a beautiful goal. Diaby does really well. After Nkudu. all the criticism he's been getting, Nkudu. Nkudu, Nkudu, Nkudu. that was no no Diaby. Yeah yeah, but it's like. 90% Nkudu, that goal. Oh, sure. Yeah, 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 I mean, nice little finish. And then, that's right, the, the nice Diaby goal was then yeah. cancelled a few minutes later. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he scored again. <clears throat> that one was a really nice goal, and it's very unfortunate for him that it got disallowed. Um, but, I mean... But, but, but so, like, the, the response was there. That's just in the 33rd yeah. minute. You want to see that goal scored before the half. So that we have some momentum to carry forward. Then they get the second goal, which is like, wow, we're really in it. But then it's canceled. So fine. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, in interesting cancellation. 
It's because the the keeper's vision was impaired by a guy yeah. who was offside. I mean, I understand it. I mean, I it, know it you, is what it is. You know, yeah. if, if I know you guys exists, in the chat didn't really it. agree with it, but you have to also look back at the Konyaspor match where we had that in our favor, where well, they scored yeah. after like sixty seconds, and they're or, or I don't know, like for the first in, they scored within the first five minutes, and. Uh, we had a goal, and their goal got disallowed because one of their players was impeding Karius's vision there. Uh, yeah. and, and I think, no. we got, I mean, I, I agreed with it, but I think we kind of got lucky there. And I, I feel like it's only fair here. I mean, it's it's yes, you can say okay, he's diving for the ball, so he clearly saw it. But I don't feel like you can properly judge that. Like, okay, maybe he's instantly reacting, but still, it's like a fraction of a second if he just. I don't think he would have had. I don't think he he had a chance to save it, even if there wasn't anyone in his field of vision. I think that's just impossible. But you know, referees cannot take goalkeeper ability into account when it comes to this kind of stuff. So I feel like it was the right decision, even though no, it was called I a scandal online. My my opinion or criticism was more nuanced. Like I don't. I think if the rule exists, then you have to apply it. And so therefore, I'm not saying that the call was wrong. Uh, I just don't know how I feel about the rule, to be honest. Or yeah. I feel like it, it adds a lot of subjectivity. It kind of gives power back to refs where VAR and the whole... Like, we're supposed to be kind of moving away from the subjective opinion of some cranky non-player, you know? But um, regardless, yeah, it, it happened. It was what it was. The match was still one-to-one -one at that point. Mm -hmm. um, and we go into the half with with the match one to one. But Besiktas at this point, like it has to be said, is probably playing the best football they've played all season. Up into the half, offensively, yeah. Up into the half, offensively. And this is where defensively me, we looked prone throughouts. Yes and no. I mean, on the counter, they were, we it was hurt. like a bend not break scenario. You know, like things, things were sort of. I was okay. I really was. But what? This was my overwhelming feeling, was that coming into the second half, right, you've, you've built this momentum, you're playing against a significantly weaker side, you you know, the, the stakes are high. That speech at halftime has to be so easy to give. Like, you know, you should know exactly what to say and how to say it. You gotta keep that momentum, you gotta, you know, whatever. You, you gotta bring that energy that into the second half. But the exact opposite happens. And it's like, literally, they come out in the second half and Erzurum Spore wrests control of the match right back. Um, they're they're oh, yeah, possessing they the ball more. They the almost scored twice, like in the first 10 minutes of the second half. And it's, for me, at this point, I, I'm like, okay, we might still win this match, but this is unforgivable. This is, it's unbelievable that you could so lack in the ability to motivate your guys in this scenario that they would come out flat now like we had it, 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 it everything was in working order you know like how do you flub that but it's an incredibly m mentally feeble side scene on apparently but but then that you got to put that on the coach to sort of resurrect them and like hold it them is up. it is it is part on the coach but also just the players i mean i don't understand how so we have so many experienced players how that's possible that are that that we're so feeble uh, we're so weak mentally and uh you know, we'll get to this into this a little bit deeper later when we talk about Abdullah's responsibility and all of this but I mean, 
yeah, you can't shift all the you can't shift all the blame on one person. I think uh, this this team just needs to show better reaction. We have inter yeah. we have multiple internationals. We have really high profile players relatively to to the you know to to no. There's a lot of yeah, a lot of L's need to be handed out, but. But, all right, so to wrap this thing up, we do respond, despite everything I've just said. Besiktas does score. Barak Yilmaz comes into the match, as you said earlier, almost scores immediately, 64th minute. Besiktas has the lead. And at this point, we're all feeling like, oof, okay. Yeah, and Varchek. Despite, like, despite everything. Yeah, there's a VAR. Maybe the the VAR check, because it took a while. They checked if it wasn't offside. And and I think that might have also kind of taken a little bit of wind out of our sight. Yeah, maybe a little bit. I mean, I I don't know. I think it kind of gave Erzurum those those extra uh, 60, 120 seconds to regroup and respond. And they immediately, out of the gate from kickoff, they responded. Uh, and and I, I, I don't know. I don't know if it's that extra couple of that extra minute or so they got just to, you know, okay, we have conceded no man overboard. We just need to find one goal. We've been, you know, they, they, we've, we've, we felt throughout the match that they are vulnerable at the back, that we can hit them on the break. We've, we know from last match, from the last match where we equalized in the 90th minute or what, what, what was it? And then they responded and scored. Yeah. So they knew from the last match that we don't respond well to scoring ourselves. <sighs> so I think those extra couple of seconds get, do, does give them a little bit of of time to okay, you know what? No Regroup. problem. Yeah. yeah. I think well, and so sure point. enough, three minutes later, um, Sissoko would score, and I, I forgot who took the initial shot. Karius actually made one of Emba, the better saves of the season on the first shot. Diving save, full stretch, punches it fairly well. But I, a theme I've noticed now for a few matches, and it's not just the defense. It seems like it's kind of the midfield too. But the reaction time was so slow. People seem to be moving in slow motion. And mm-hmm. it's like uh, it's like one of those like cartoons where someone has a magic spell, like where they can make everyone else slow and they're, they're still operating at normal pace, you know? Like uh, Sissoko just kind of latched on to that rebound. With, mm-hmm. Like, it went through three defenders and drops to him somehow, and he smashes it home. There's no saving that. And let the me game ask you a question, Sinan. If you think of one player in the Beshtesh squad that that puts his head in front of, uh, will try to put his head in front of every, every shot and throw his body in front of every so- shot and makes a lot of crucial blocks, who would you say that person is? No doubt that is Vida, and that's exactly what was lacking from this match. Yeah. Um, it, it's our defensive leader. And he's not on this map, and he's not on the on on the uh, in the lineup. I, and for I, a, a I match that, like that. I, the reason I felt like it was so important to mention this earlier, the build-up uh, to this sort of discussion was that this match had truly become our biggest match of the season for whatever reasons, and we don't have to like it. You know, it does. Mm-hmm. We, we shouldn't be happy with the fact that we're feeling like we're out of the running for the title. Uh, at this stage of the season, that we're out of Europe at this stage of the season, whatever, you know, all of the negative reasons that lead to this being our most important match were there, and this was our most important match, and this was our response. Um, Not just to playing a decent first half and then kind of coming out, but then even to scoring a goal and taking the initiative, this is our response. We allow this goal to be scored. And to put icing on the cake, just five minutes later, again, Karakolukcu, scores uh and making it two to three since we were the home side 
and the final aggregate defeat was confirmed <laughs> of six to four. Yeah, we can see six goals against the second division side. Six, six goals. Goals. It's defending, and and it's particularly upsetting that our defense has become such an uh, such an issue because this is it really hasn't been the case despite maybe you know i think in the last few years we've had some issues you know i remember when the big debate was like if tosic was the the most reliable you know partner well, for, for Vita. I think or... you're always going to have debates about, you know, the the the, the defense uh, unless you're like a a team like Atletico Madrid, but I mean, sure. you're always going to have those debates because let, let's be honest, in, in Turkey you're never going to have the ideal pair four world-class defenders that are also performing at a world-class level. Plus like we know so well, it's not just down to those four defenders, it's also down to the people in front of them how well, the, the midfield and the wings help with defending. And Particularly, it's all... and, and I think the main theme for, for Besiktas has been defenders having to compensate for a kind of lack of presence in the back of our midfield, which is troubling, uh, in particular because of the lack of a, of a central midfielder to partner with Atiba. So, yeah, I mean, it's been a theme for a long time. And, and so from, from Tosic, where I was talking about, Last year it was like it was is Isimak Mirin good enough, mm-hmm. um, or, uh, or Enzo Rocco like who never Alexis got Alexis Delgado, right? Delgado. <laughs> yeah, we, I mean there's a there's a long-standing. Right, I mean, we were talking on the decade episode about how Sivok never had a proper pairing, you know, to, Ferrari to complement him. Ferrari was good for one year, and and the unfortunate issue with Fener with the Fener. Remember I'm doing that Fener uh, about <laughs> we, we, remember the. The card he got and everything. Like yeah, that. but I was. I think that was after he came back from like a long-term injury or something. Yeah, but that. I mean, I felt like that really put the icing on the cake for his leaving. I've, I've overutilized icing on the cake now, um, but that put the nail in the coffin, you know, for his special time <coughs> career. I think, uh, which is an unfortunate way to go, uh, and these things happen to players anyway. But for whatever reasons, yeah, we, we, we've struggled in this regard, but nonetheless put up pretty decent results uh we haven't been we've we've actually typically been one of the better sides in terms of goals allowed even last season when you know people said isimamirin was like the worst ever you know we still put up pretty decent numbers uh it is starting to fall apart now and that's oh, yeah that's really troubling of course you expect it to some extent right you, you, we do have so many new pieces especially this season and the likes with the likes of Robocho, uh Victor oh, Ruiz. Uh, no, 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 I don't, I have, no. Enzo no Rocco is playing for the There's no time. excuse for the performances we're putting down right now. I, I, if I, am, I, am I wrong in saying that we lost seven out of our last eight matches? Well, no, okay, now, I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm we... simply stating that you could expect some degree of upheaval with that, that many new faces, but... Yeah, and this is the problem. In January, we're not. We're not in August. We're not in exactly. September or October. This is a problem that you would think would last a few weeks. Maybe you'd ideally sort out in the preseason, but you know sometimes things happen. And we it had goes a few weeks into the season. We went on a six-man winning streak, and suddenly uh, we're, we're and suddenly our our defense and, and and our team is is a Swiss cheese again. Yeah, exactly. And we concede. We concede. This, uh, 30 goals in eight games or something. See, this is the problem, is that this really... It doesn't amount to them not settling, because they essentially... I don't I don't even know if I'd say that they'd ever settled, because 
Like, especially in the, with the likes of Victor Ruiz being injured for much of the season thus far, mm. or carded or whatever. Um, there's been some yeah. issues in that regard, but but nonetheless, the results were coming. Uh, things were yeah, looking like, better. So it's for like this you collapse, said, what's been the one constant in the in the center of de defense has been Vida. He's, he's played with both Oka and he's played with both Ruiz, and he's done well with both. And and suddenly he decides to put those two that have never really played together. Maybe they played together one match or something, but suddenly he decides to put those two together in this match. It's stupid. And Rocco and is 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 a little slow. And Victor Ruiz yeah. has some issues with, like, not, I wouldn't say positioning or reactions, but when it's combined, when he has to react and, and be in the right position, like on a counter, I've noticed he's a little slow to respond. Like, there's some I don't issues know. I there. I think he's almost decompensating for, for Janner. Well, and that's the problem, I think he, exactly. I think he compensates for Janner's positioning, and I don't understand why. For weeks now, he's been torturing us with Janner on the wings, and he's been putting Robocho on the left back, because clearly he thinks defensively Robocho is the better player. And now suddenly, because it's a second division side, I guess, he decides to put Janner on the left back and put Robocho on the bench. But... Uh, I, come on, dude. Yeah, it's just, you know? just bad decisions. That Stick decision. with your back line. You've conceded 20-something goals in seven games. Stop stop changing it all the freaking time. Well, and it's also important to note that, especially since we're talking about Tony Erickson, we, we did not focus at all on the Sivas loss. Uh, as you said earlier, it was a 2-1 loss. Um, Lijic scored a goal, so there's something, maybe a positive spin on things. But um, in that match, Tony Erickson of course, could not be benched uh, for some reason. So Robosho was oh. put on the left back, but so he found a way mm -hmm. to put John Air in by sliding him into the right been wing. Doing it for months to the well, right. He started wing. him. He started him on the left wing, and and and, and Kudu started on the right. But then they changed mid 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 match and stuff. They were changing from time to time. And I think at the time that they scored their second goal, Chandler was on the right. He gives the ball away clumsily. Uh, so was Jermaine and less injured? Yeah, Lenz got injured in the friendly, right, remember? Yeah, for like a uh, month, he was, he's going to be out. You know, pulled, pulled his hamstring. And this guy, like, he won't play Tyler Boyd. Like, we're, that's clear. Uh, he just does yeah, not no, want his kid to settle. Yeah, no, he just won't put Janner on the bench. He refuses to put Janner on the bench because Janner has been one of the top performers this season. And in, in terms of statistics, that's true. And he's had some good games this season. I definitely that doesn't don't mean he has disagree. to play but by, he's, like, he's, by all yeah. means. Like, he sacrifices the team to play Janner because individually Janner has had a decent season, but he's sacrificing team chemistry for that. And let's it's let's stupid. Not just sacrificing the team team or the team chemistry in the short term, but in the long term, right? We've said this before, and we don't want to harp on this too much. But the guys who we have definitively invested in, that are not loans, who will be here on the roster one way or another, uh, especially if their value is plummeted and they become worthless because of how we play them. But um, and Kudu is one, and so it's great to see him settling and becoming such a vital force. Like we're gonna need him, no doubt, especially yeah. with the money yeah, we yeah. have to spend, or, or rather, the lack thereof. Um, uh -huh. But the other one is definitively, again, very clearly, Tyler Boyd. We've put money into this guy and we've got him signed up for the long term. So that the fact uh -huh. that we're not giving him 
like let's just say three matches in a row regardless of how he plays just to see if he can settle that's not that's not even enough it's not you it should be five or six yeah he needs he needs six seven eight games in a row consistently starting well, he's not afraid you know what the problem he's is so afraid if he yeah. makes one mistake he's done yeah yeah, of course. And that's the same exact problem Jermaine Lenz had under Shane Ogunesh. Exactly. He had the exact same exact problem where he was uh he was he was third fiddle to Babel and, and Quaresma and yeah, maybe that's understandable, you know. But uh he knew when I think Quaresma was suspended against Trabzonspor and he had to start. He knew in that match uh I have to make a big impression here. Mm-hmm. And I, I said it back in the it's time, I think he, he, had, he scored a goal, and then he had the chance at 2-1 to kill the match by squaring the ball to Jenk Tosun on a one-on-one opportunity where Jenk had the empty net, but he decided to go for glory. And You know team, why? You know, you know why? You know exactly you know why. why. Because he had because to. He, like, he felt like he had to make his yeah. name. Um, because he's faced, because he knows in the back of his head, if I don't make a really big impact here, I'm going to go back to the bench mm-hmm. as soon as Quaresma's back. And, and it's the same thing with a guy like Tyler Boyd. He is so afraid to make a mistake when he's on the pitch. Like against Braga, he played with guts. He played because against Braga, I don't know. It felt like he didn't he, he didn't feel the pressure. But then in the league, when he comes on, it's, it's like he's timid. He's not the, the gutsy player we know from Ankaragücü. The gutsy player we saw play for the U.S. men's national team. Exactly. He's not the same guy. He's become, like, early on, I mean, the first opening match against Sivaspor, I thought, okay, he missed some chances, but I thought he played a really good game until he got concussed and had to be subbed off. I don't off. know if you remember, but the preseason was... He and Muhayir were the guys that yeah. we were looking at yeah. as the as highlight. Tyler Boyd was like was was definitely our highlight from one of our highlights from the preseason, and I had the feeling that 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 Abchu was was all in on him, and then suddenly he decides that Diaby is his guy, and and Boyd doesn't can't even. Like, this is actually this such is so an important ca- point, Khan. Uh, I need to pause you on this because this, for me, is the perfect segue. So I mean, we've talked about Sivas, Erzurum, Sport. I think that's done. And now what we have to talk about is the major news. And obviously, it's Abdullah Abdi being fired. And for me, this point that you're sort of skirting around, that, that I've been skirting around now for a little bit, is exactly what, what I think needs to be emphasized as far as what was wrong with Abdullah Abdi. He became hmm. Shano Gunesh. He became, like, the he came out initially and he was going to change our tactics. He had his system. He was going to do things his way, mm-hmm. and it didn't quite work out, which you expect initially, right? There's going to be resistance. There's going to be um, a, a sort of trial yeah. period and, and a kind it, of It's rough, not easy. Yeah, no, it's never going to be easy. But so... Especially with what he wants to implement was a very complex playing style. It, it's something that if it if you can implement it, it's going to take a while. But if you do and you do so successfully, it's going to pay its dividends. But the problem was that the results were so bad in those opening five or six matches. I think in the opening six games, we got five points or something. And that was just such a bad start that he had to change things. And he couldn't stick to his guns. You know, and, and maybe he should have. I don't know. Yeah, um, I mean, it was but... tough because we got a couple of results by kind of reverting to Chanel tactics, you know. Um, mm-hmm. But 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 what's worse, I mean, we though, have... and what's, for me, what's worse than reverting to Chanel tactics and sort of becoming sort of weak and timid in terms of implementing your own, which is what he was here for, to be clear, um, is that he reverted to Chanel tactics in the way that we're talking about now. 
as far as benching yeah. guys and sort of sacrificing the long term for the short term. Um, this guy's getting me results now, so I can't afford to let take him out of the lineup. Janair, like you go yeah, to the right wing. I don't wing. really I understand can't, that. I can't afford to let you Diaby go. Though, because Diaby wasn't getting him well, results. Well, and so this he is where. I don't know if we should legitimize these these rumors so much, but there's talk of how Diaby was Avchi's guy. Do we want to run with that? Yeah, but I mean, Fikret Oman said that in his interview the other day that 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 Abdul Avchi really wanted Diaby because he said I can use him in in a lot of different positions. Well, you know, remember I did this interview with Michael van Varenberg, uh, you know, uh, at the beginning of the season to talk about my, uh, to talk about Diaby, and he explicitly said, "Look, Diaby is not a winger. The reason he wasn't successful at Sporting is because they 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 insisted on playing him as a winger. But he's a striker. He's a second striker or a lone striker, but he is not a winger. He hammered that point home that his success at Club Brugge, the reason why." Why he he made a, a four and a half million transfer to Sporting in 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 the first place is because he was successful as well, a striker. And let's remember both that the, in a one striker system and a two striker. The two system. or three matches where he was actually starting to look pretty good for us, he was playing as our second striker when Liaj was out. Yeah, so. I don't really. There's the not much yeah. debate here, right? Like it should be fairly clear. The guy's only seen success in the like 14 games he's played with us because. Because Abchi's a little stubborn. I, I do have to say, I, I did feel like in the beginning, like he, him playing on the right, he did good stuff because he was the always the handful yeah, for, for the opposition. But his his morale dropped, and and you could see it uh, that 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 he did wasn't confident anymore. I think at the beginning of the season, he he was gutsier. He had a lot of take ons. He caused a lot of problems for his direct opponents. But like in the last two months or so, I mean, I was very. Uh, it, initially, I was very look, guys, give this guy a chance. He's not being played in his right position. He's doing all. He's doing a decent enough job on the right wing, despite not being a winger. But I, even I had to, in the last month or two, had to say, look, this guy's just playing like shit. He's not playing good. And there, you, then you have to, as a coach, you have to start looking at, look, what this guy's here for six more months. And we have this kid, Tyler Boyd, he's 24, 25 years old. He's signed to a four-year or something contract. We paid money for him. We have to play and this guy. It's important to I know mean, what... he has a proven track record in this league. He's shown his capacity. Yeah. I mean, it's a, it's a small club, and it's always different if you make that move from a, from a small club to a big club. Okay. But the thing is, you have to give him a fair chance. You can't just throw him away after... After two or three bad performances as a sub coming on, or even like 45 minutes in the cup or 45 minutes in the Europa League, give this guy 90 minutes and give him five, six, seven consecutive matches. Look, if he is absolutely terrible then in those matches, yeah, but I feel, I feel like, you know where it all went wrong for Tyler Boyd? I, I just thought about it. Chaikurizespor. Where we played a really impressive 45 minutes, but we concede a stupid goal on a counter. They're literally probably their only chance of the entire match. And I, re I remember now, because I was at a wedding at the time, and I remember everyone blaming Tyler Boyd for that goal. Because he was the one left defending Which all the Which is oh, so absurd. <laughs> it's like... And after, that's, that's, where, there, that's where he lost yeah. his spot. 
that's where he got scapegoated mm -hmm. because that was i think that was abdullah afish's turning point in his head that was after the bad start that that Riza spore match which was like match day three or something that was supposed to be the turning point for basic Clash. that's where he was supposed to with his system make his statement get a good win against Riza spore good, uh -huh. with good football the foot and, and it went wrong there and i think he kind i i don't know i can't look into the man's head but that's kind of what it feels to me like like he left that match with 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 yeah just blaming boys for not winning which is completely yeah. unfair and also i mean not just him i, I also feel like uh boys uh, got a lot of unfair criticism after that match from uh, yeah. many I mean, fans. our fans have been really uh, bad in this regard too lately <laughs> since like uh we're not we're never gonna get we're never gonna get anyone to succeed uh if if they if there's zero patience like that um I don't know what people expect from uh, from new transfers, from new players. Like this is the thing, you know. Our fans are always saying, "Oh, you have to scout, you have to scout, you have to bring in uh, cheap, uh, talented players and stuff." Like, so let's say Aiden Hasic. Uh huh. Huh? Let's say we 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 well, we 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 signed him, um, and you know, uh, scoop we did, uh, but that's gonna be made official later. Um, Let's say we start him playing him. He's 18 years old. And I, I kind of feel like because he's 18 years old, he's going to get a little bit more of slack from the fans. But honestly, I think if he doesn't, if he like, if he plays bad and is like to blame for, for like a goal that we concede because he doesn't track back enough or doesn't defend well enough i honestly think that our fans would turn on him too also because oh he cost us uh, 1.2 million signing bonus. this just reminded me they did this to shinji kagawa last year do you remember there was the one goal that he kind of gave the ball Trouble. away but nobody else came back to defend him, so they were like oh it's shinji kagawa's fault because the pass he gave was bad and it was like you're gonna turn on and they were like uh, i mean we saw how that went and uh, it's just funny this is the thing. Our team is playing so bad right now that any could result error could can 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 result in a goal. So people then immediately go single out individuals because they made the error that led to the goal. But you have to be you have to look a little bit beyond that. You have to look beyond the tip of your nose and just acknowledge the fact that we are playing as a collective we are playing and you know what's so funny poorly, and the goals where you can actually say oh yeah that was actually that guy's fault think of the ones that like Nedjip just like didn't head properly or didn't put enough of his body in front of him and they just like skimmed off him and went to the goal people love Nedjip no matter what he does <laughs> so like they'll give that guy a pass Do they? no matter what Do they? <laughs> I don't know. I just think people have kind of come to expect it from Nejip and maybe they expect a little bit more. Uh, but yeah, that's a good that's a good point you make that with people to blame. Like, oh, let's just talk about this for a second. We have to talk about it. Yeah. Loris Karius. We've defended him so often on this podcast. But <sighs> dude, stop 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 worrying about how good your arm how good your sleeve tattoos look in your uh you know cut off uh long-sleeved football shirt or you know goalkeeper shirt stop worrying about that kind of shit and just freaking s make a proper save on that free kick i can't the, the that was the most important match of of the season 
until yeah, yeah. Airsroom Spore. <laughs> until we lost it and then Airsroom Spore became the most important match of the season. But that was literally, I think, the, the, the most important match of the season. If we beat Siva Sport at home, we closed their, the gap with them to four points and we're actually in the title race. And I'm not saying we're going to win it because I think there's, there's a lot of stiff competition. But then we're yeah. in the race again. And what the freak does he do? Seven minutes in, I mean, he, I don't. I, yeah, I'm still I mean, along. Like, I still feel that you can't pinpoint these moments or like mistakes happen, and especially if you're a keeper. No, a keeper's that, mistake a, is yeah, typically the kind a, of mistake that leads to a goal. And with this in mind, yes, he's made. Like, it's important to note that just a few days earlier in the friendly, he made an even more egregious blunder, though. So this is like in 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 his case, it's becoming recurring and it's becoming kind of localized into this period of time. And so I'm starting to wonder. Yeah, but now but the thing is, it, it it's worth noting that he's being attacked in the press. Like, there's probably a lot of bad vibes going on, like psychologically, with Channel Ganesh trashing him in the press. With I mean, the club sort of struggling mightily and like like you said these moments becoming so important where any kind of mistake turns into a goal but then maybe a guy like him should just make this decision for himself to stay off of yeah, social media yeah. for two years after what happens happened in the champions league final maybe he should, should have just made that decision for himself look i'm gonna stay yeah, off I mean, social the media clearly got some vanity going some vanity issue <laughs> Yeah, I mean, and rightfully so. Yeah, he's, he's a doing gorgeous fine. man. But yeah, you know? no, you're, I, my point, though, is that I think when we look at the but, problems but, he's yeah. struggling with right now, they're probably a product. You know, they're a symptom of the problem rather than the problem. And so I'm like, I don't know. I mean, he's definitely not going to stick. Yeah, but I, I don't think he has any reason but, to but, want yeah, to but, stay with Betsy at this point. And the fans have turned on him. He's getting booed, you know, like that's not good. You don't like we've talked about this with Ozan. Like you're not yeah, supposed to sure. be a guy who you want to perform for you right now. But you also have to question his commitment, Sinan. You have to question his commitment if in the seventh minute of a match that is so 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 important, he just has a concentration lapse. You have to question his dedication. Yeah, I mean, I, because my I guess my defense no, 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 is not no, so no, much no, dedication. No, no, yeah, no, yeah. It's I just, don't think it's he, dedication. There's I think no, it's like whatever the psychology no, is, is, right? He might just not it be focused. He might just yeah, not that's the be, thing. That's... He might be scared. You know, he might have like a deer in headlights type of thing going right now where he, the ball coming near him is like a little bit aggravating and stress inducing because he knows what could potentially. No, I, I don't believe that because he made a really good save right after that. And he was he was fine for the rest of the match. It is just a moment of lapse of concentration because he, he his just his head isn't in the game because he is not 100% dedicated to see it through to a good end i think in his head maybe he's already on to moved on to his ne next club and this is just i i don't feel like he he was in this 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 is not that's not something a player that is 100% focused on his job at hand that's not the type of mistake he makes that's not an acceptable mistake. Yeah. I don't know if I would say that they're acceptable or not. Uh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, I guess my, my point in, in sort of mentioning all the uh, various things that could be contributing to his sort of psychologically having broken down are just to add nuance. You know, I don't, I don't want to just suggest that he's just like fragile or not good or whatever it might be because he's shown... 
um, the capacity to be a very good keeper. For us, even, uh, I just feel like, yeah, I mean, you're probably right that it's not acceptable. And uh, I like, you know, I'll say it again. I don't think we even really have to worry about it much because I feel like there's very little chance that Loris Karius is going to stay with Besiktas. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't think there's any chance, quite frankly. And uh, and nor should there be, I think. But I, I honestly, I think that um, I think it's going to be real, relatively simple for us to be, bring Fabri back in the summer. I think it's not going to be difficult at all. Is his contract up, actually? No, his contract isn't up, but uh, clearly Fulham, you know, already decided. Yeah, it'll be another year. He's not for them. And I, I think, yeah. yeah, I think he spent the last season. I think he's spending this season out on loan at Mallorca, and uh, or was it last season? I don't even remember. And uh, didn't play, so I think that. Uh, I mean, him- honestly, Khan, we might not want Fabri if he hasn't played in two years. I, okay, I wonder if there'll be. Another keeper on the, you know, was, that we might the, look to. It was the same with him before we got him, that he didn't play much. And uh, yeah, look how good he was for us. Yeah, but it's like five years later now, right? Come on. Come on. Come on. No, <laughs> no. Like, don't, I, I, don't go I, all uh, Aurelien on me. <laughs> no, I'm not. It's, I, no, I, I I like Fabri, and he he was a a good keeper for us. But I, I think I've always it. felt that people tend, in the same way that they tend to uh, put too many problems on keepers and sort of point fingers at them too fast. You know, I don't think Fabri was ever exceptional enough that like uh, two years of not playing is like worth not even considering. And I, it's not because he's old; he's actually not even that old. I think he's only 32 still or so. So like, yeah, he'll be turning 33 this year. For a keeper, that's nothing. Yeah, we've, that's had, okay. we've had like 40 year old Rushdu in our squads, you know. <laughs> um, but uh, you know, I just I wonder if there's someone who's more on form who could be. But at the same time, I guess given our situation uh, uh, financially, yeah, that's that's the thing. You know, the finances. I think Fabri would be a cheap solution. And I just checked; he's uh, playing at Mallorca right now. Uh, he's made just a one appearance this season in the league. Um, so I, I honestly, I think that for you know a fra- you can probably pay a portion of his wage, and uh, maybe don't even have to pay a loan fee. I think uh, I don't think Fulham would be, and that's just the thing. I think you could you could also go for a young Turkish goalkeeper like someone like Gökhan Akan, for example, from Çaykurizaspor. But then you're paying a transfer fee and all that, and yeah. maybe. I guess I, what I might suggest is that we see what we have in Ersin for like some of the rest of the season. Like especially, I mean, you, you hate to say just like cancel Kyrie's contract and get him out of here, but like, no, uh, I guess you can't quite do that because we're still in, you know, fifth place. You know, we're you can't really close the book on this season yet, and especially now that we know we're going to get a new manager who. You mm-hmm. can't completely discount the possibility that, you know, there's some new energy and yeah, uh, that, they, they could that, get some results, you know. And so we might find ourselves back in the race at some, you know, because we're not technically out of it even. Oh, yeah, know? of course. I mean, we're, we're out of the race. Well, we're out of the race for the title, but we can still get third or, or second place. Yeah, we can still uh, even play for Champions League football, you know. So in theory, and th- there's a yeah. lot of things that have to go right, obviously. obviously. Um, and we're, we can't. Like, one other thing that needs to be considered is that with a new manager, it's not like he's going to be able to be like, oh, I want this player to come with me too. No, like, 
There's yeah. no player. Like we have if, no if money. We could do that. I think uh, Abdullah Avci's uh, stint might have been a little bit more successful if we could just bring the players he wanted to exactly, bring with. Yeah. Him. Uh, I mean, assuming know, if, Diaby wasn't the one. If if we could have brought Vishcha. Uh, I think uh, that uh, things might have been a little different if we had that uh, really good right winger. Or uh, like Irfan Kaveci even in the center. Irfan John, yeah. If oh, Irfan John would be, that's 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 the type of player we miss most right that's now. Insane, yeah. If we if we could have if we had the money to bring both Fischer and Irfan John, I think that's the only two players that we sh if we had the money we should have gotten from Bashar. Well, the thing is with Fischer, I mean getting up there in age like he's 30 i think so and they're they're asking price was 10 million so i don't know even if we had that type of money if you wanted to spend that uh although you know i mean say we didn't have 300 million euro debt then i think 10 the spending 10 million on a 30 year old player or 29 year player wouldn't be that big of a deal but yeah in normal circumstances you know. uh but I, have, I think we've spoken enough about yeah. these two matches. They've been, you know, I, I think we should just talk a little bit about Abdullah. I, I, no, I mean, we've, we've sort you know. of moved into that, I think. And, uh, yeah, but I mean, I, I absolutely agree that we need to really now start talking about what's next. Um, yeah. We know Avchi's Ab fired. We've, we've, by and large, discussed how this came to be, you know, his downfall. Um, now, like, like first, okay, well, who are the candidates, Tan? I'll, I'll hand it to you. you know, who, who, do, who do we have sort of definitively been, you know, who are we linked to without any doubt? Well, there's, there's the obvious candidates. Uh, Segen Yalcin is the obvious number one in many people's mm -hmm. eyes. Um, there's a couple of other people, of course. Uh, Mehmet Özdilek, who's currently coaching Denizli Spor, is a, a name that has been uh, mentioned. Uh, of course, is a Besiktas legend as a player. He's never had the opportunity to try his luck at Besiktas. He's someone that's had a really decent career over the last uh, fifteen, ten years or so. What as would a you coach. say he is the highlight really of his coaching career so far? Like which? I think the I think he was a coach at Antalya Spor for I don't know four or five years or something in the late 2000s maybe uh and that was at a time where Antalya Spor was had like the smallest budget in the league and he did really well with them like not top five or anything like that. I mean that, Antalya's been in the, the Super League that, for for consecutive years now. Yeah but this was this was before Antalya Spor did all the big before, like, this Eto, was I mean? think when yeah, I think this was when Cordoba was still nice. there, maybe. Uh, so in the late 2000s into the early 10 2010s, I want to say. I don't remember exactly, but he was there for quite a while. Uh, did well with them, respect you know, respective performances. Um, but obviously, you know, he's he's tied to a club. Besiktas are not going to be paying compensation, so I don't really yeah, think that's an option. Yeah, which also then for therefore strike uh, off Okan Buruk, if anyone had him on their list. <clears throat> Well, yeah, obviously, I think if you look at the, the Turkish football landscape right now and you look at young Turkish up-and-coming coaches, uh, the, the top name on that list would probably be Okan Buruk, uh, who's done a great job at Rizespor Spor uh, and who's doing great with Bishakshir yeah. right now. And contrary to Abdullah Avci, I think that Okan, he knows what it's like to play for big clubs. He played for Galatasaray, Inter Milan, Besiktas, Galatasaray again. Uh, so, obviously, I think his... 
uh, ability to cope with pressure, I think is gonna be better. And also he's proven this season for Bashakshir, look, he's he's not doing what Abdulavchi did. He's not just focusing on one thing, he's also making a priority out of the Europa League. He did <laughs> really well to get out of his yeah, group with Bashakshir. the best yeah. Turkish team in Europe little, right now, somehow. Bit. Which is such a shock to yeah, even yeah, yeah, yeah. put into words. And, and, and and plus, they had a they had a rocky start at the beginning of the season, but he managed to turn things around, and they've been on a on a on a really good. They had the season streak. we hoped uh, to be having with our new coach, I suppose. Exactly, they had the same start as we had, but then they rebounded like we did. They maintained, but then it, yeah. they haven't looked back. Whereas we faltered again. You know, we had a six match winning streak, but but they didn't have six match winning streaks. But they haven't lost since like match day six or uh, match day two. I want to say I think they lost their opening two matches, and I don't really think they've lost since. I uh, might be mistaken because they didn't gather too many points in those opening five six matches. Uh, they had the same amount of points as we did, I think, like five, I believe. But then afterwards, they just did really, really well. And uh, yeah, so he's obviously someone people would want. But uh, let's talk about the realistic candidates right now. So Sergen Yalcin is obviously a really realistic candidate right now. Uh, yeah, but Sergen's been mentioned with the club for a couple of times, uh, for, for a while now. Um, he's just recently got fired at Malatya Sports like a week or two ago. I know that he's had a had an offer from Kazim Pasha. And he's asked them to wait hmm. because he wants to wait for an offer from Besiktas because he he kind of felt this coming. Hmm. Um, so he's he's definitely a, a big big candidate. Uh, Samit Ibaba is also being talked about because he's basically openly uh, has gone on live TV and basically uh, put in uh, <laughs> lobby. Uh, you know, uh, yeah, he's he's been kind of oh you know what I mean uh, I, I'd be up for it and or I'd be up for being the technical director with uh, I don't know who who he mentioned as uh, oh yeah. He mentioned this on air a couple of like last week or so, how he'd love to be the sporting director with Riza Chalambay as the coach. He mentioned that. And of course they played together uh in, in the eighties. Um as, as Ibaba was still, uh, I think, with the team from the from the late seventies and then into the eighties, and then obviously Riza Chalambay, one of the products of the club, yeah. became a big legend. Blah blah blah. Kind of um, legend for for those of us but, old enough to yeah, yeah keep sure. stock. Uh, so so he's an option, um, and then there's a couple more people being mentioned again. People with clubs like Erol Bulut, who's a Fenerbahce guy. So I, I can't really see that happening. The thing, the reason with Okan Burak, he's got a big history too. So I and just know, a generally just... classy kind of. He's, yeah, he's been yeah, going he is, around yeah. and doing things where he can do things. You know, Okanbuk is uh, really he, he, he is not what you would like when you think of a like Galatasaray personality. He is not that. Yeah, exactly. Like, to me, is it's more like like Ergun Pembe, who was also a big time Galatasaray player, but he's also someone like the, the ultimate professional, like someone you can respect. I like, wouldn't not, be surprised not... if he got the national side, to be honest, at some point soon, like after Chanel, whenever that. Oh is. yeah, that would be that would be great. But I think actually, uh, given what's going on right now at Galatasaray, I think if they don't win the title this season and and it's already kind of Terim is clashing with their president, I wouldn't be surprised if uh, Okan uh, gets that post in uh, in in the summer. Yeah. Um, it's a better, you gotta admit, it's a better gig right now if you're a coach. Yeah, plus, I mean, for Okan, come on, let's be honest, Okan's club is God's right, you know? Yeah, but I just um, mean they have they have access to resources. It will be, not... it, it might be refreshing, though, to see a guy like that at God's right, uh, someone who doesn't rely on uh, cuntiness to win. <laughs> uh, 
Anyway, this is a Besiktas podcast, so we're allowed to say but, it. Uh, so, so we said it, Sergen, Samet Ayvava. Those are two big candidates. Another big candidate is Unal Karaman, who was just fired uh, from his post at uh, Trabzonspor a couple of weeks ago, which was a shock to many, uh, and and the reasons for it are kind of unclear. Like, because uh, they've had a good first half of the season, uh, they had like, but supposedly after the match with the Nizlispor at home in the league where they lost one to two, I want to say uh, there was an argument. Um, either, but the the, the 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 official story is that he had an argument with their president Ahmed Alwolu. But there's people also saying he actually had a fight with Berat Albayrak, who is uh, the son-in-law of Recep Tayyip Erdogan, the Turkish president. Uh, also somebody who's been pumping money into Trabzonspor and stuff like that. And supposedly one of the rumors is that that Berat Albayrak asked him, "Why, why are we play- why, why is Trabzonspor playing so bad?" And and supposedly that pissed off Unal Karaman a little bit, and he told him, "Look." How about you let me worry about football and you worry about the, the country's economy? <laughs> Good, touche. Something like that. Well, supposedly. Noted. And uh, I, I uh, like suppose, that. you know, and that's one of the rumors that, that Albayrak then calls uh, Trabzon Sports President and said, Look, fire this guy. Yeah, you know, and given, uh, you know, that's, that's so the thing with Trabzon Sports. So they've, they've taken government money uh, the last, you know, last season to for them to even be able to play European football. They took about 50 million euros from the government for that. Um, so they're not in a position to refuse a government uh, decree. You know. uh, fascinating. Yeah. Uh, I mean, that's interesting. And, I think yeah, so you anyway, have to also, yeah. in any fair analysis of Trabzon this season, you have to factor in the fact that they've had just terrible luck their talisman their best player abdul Qadir, has been injured for the whole season right he had yeah, a terrible long term injury and they had some injury issues and they just lost the season. Like um it. and th- that's the thing he he was a he was one of the assistants to Shenel gunesh for a long time so he learned under Shenel gunesh um if that's something you're interested and in and he, he had Trabzonspor at times playing some especially last season they were playing some fantastic football uh, t- at times this season they were playing some fantastic football again remember uh, but with having lost Yusuf Yajiji and Abdul Qadir like the, to to be where they are yeah. is is fairly yeah. creditable i mean he d- he did get quite a lot of criticism though for kind of throwing the towel into their Europa League campaign um and you know in in general they've had you know, periods of, of lesser football, which he's gotten criticism for. But anyway, there's people within the board that are pushing for him. Um, but I think that despite the fact, like, for example, Ahmed Nurchebi is a, is a Trabzonlu, if I'm not mistaken. He had a really good bond with Channel Gunesh. I wouldn't be surprised if Gunesh recommended Ula Karaman to him. I know some other people in the board uh, are interested in Karaman, and I think that's that's a factor but ultimately i don't think they're gonna go with him i think they're gonna go with sergen and the reason for that is because sergen's kind of the safe choice uh in the sense that he has this massive built-in uh credit built up already with the fan base because he's a he's a legend and look do you whoever comes i i just before we like turn the page on on like listing candidates do you want to give any Credence to that, I forget what it was, a Jans Sport thing or whatever it was that also listed Gucci and Steven Gerrard. 
<laughs> no, because Guti just took over after, Almeria. Uh, right, Almeria. Almeria, yeah. So he's he's not gonna take it. What about Steven uh, Gerrard? Steven Gerrard is doing a great job at, at Rangers. Uh, they're closing the gap on on Celtic. Uh, so he is just not attainable for us in midseason. Uh, I'm not, you know, and honestly, I think Gerard, if he would come into a job like he, he'd be stupid to take that risk uh, so early in his career because I think he has a very clear plan ahead <laughs> of him. That's the question: How much does he still love Istanbul? Right? Because that was. I am pretty sure. Yeah, but I'm pretty sure he wants to be successful with Rangers, and then in a couple of years when. The club effect has worn out. I think his ambition is to coach Liverpool, and I think tr- career trajectory-wise, Turkey is not in that uh, in that plan for the foreseeable future for him. So for me, that's just absolutely preposterous. I think yeah, I have no can- idea what it's even talking about. Uh, I, I will be honest. Literally two minutes ago, Yasin, who's a Besiktas international fledgling. Uh, just he just said, "Have you seen the crazy Steven Gerrard links?" And I have to be honest, I have not seen them. Um, but I don't funny. really, I can't imagine I, the logic behind. It. I mean, we've been con like we have to recognize that we've been wrong, we've been shocked, crazy things have happened. But I would definitely not. Uh, they are they have a, they have an actual shot at the Scottish Premier League this season. I'm not saying they're gonna win it, uh, but they have a shot. He's not gonna throw that all away for uh, an adventure in Turkey for a a, a, a job that's not gonna pay uh, that well. I mean, it's not like we're gonna pay him five million a year. <laughs> Let's be honest. I mean, I don't even whether even whether or not I we, give it, his I, salary, like you know, a contract would be high. Like he surely would know or have heard about the fact that he might not even be paid what's, regularly. What's, What's there to gain for him from taking this job? He can't win the Europa League anymore. They're out of the champ. They're out of the race for the title. They're out of the cup. There's nothing he can gain from taking this job. Whoever wrote that needs to be lobotomized. <laughs> that's good. Uh, I think that's a good ending point for that con- that bit of the conversation. But so, all right. I if if we're talking about a three-headed uh, race between Sergei Yeltsin, Unal Karaman, and Samet Aibaba. I am probably on Team Sergei. Yeah, the thing for me is, look, uh, if if Aibaba comes in, it's 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 strictly as a caretaker. It has to be a six it's a month temporary, thing. It's a temporary. It's a very and definitively I, temporary yeah. thing. It's like and, you know. And I honestly don't care how well we do. I don't want to see him as our coach next season because he's just not it's, cut out. It shows a lack of ambition. Ibaba has proven in the past that he is capable of building a foundation. He did it at Trabzonspor in the early 2000s where he built a foundation for a very good Trabzonspor side that almost won the title in back-to-back years but was thwarted by a very strong Fenerbahce in the mid-2000s. He laid the groundwork for Ertuğrul Salam's Bursaspor that ultimately won the title in 2010. He was instrumental in building those foundations and I think you can definitely give him a, a par- part of the credit for building Channel Güneş's team but you also of course have to give credit to Slavin Bilic so I think they kind of share a little bit of credit there. Um, but he's good for that 
but he, that's it. And the thing with him is, if he would come in, I think strictly six months, and then you have to have a, 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 a another plan. Like for example, yeah, we just get back to scrambling again next. You know, six months no, I mean, that. if you bring in Summit Ibaba, I think you need to have an agreement in place for a coach that not that's not currently available mm. or may not may not like for example, let's say Unal Karaman, he is currently available. But I think coming in for him right now would be a bad decision because unlike Sergen, unlike maybe even Samet Aibaba, he does not come in with that uh, built-in credits. If Unal Karaman comes in and he loses the first couple of games, he's on the hot seat straight away. Sergen can come in and lose a couple yeah, of matches. Yeah, with Sergen and- you feel like, yes, he has this reputation of only sort of lasting six months here or there, but I think... There's almost this element of the unknown, like what what happens if he sticks around longer, <laughs> and uh, you definitely get the feeling he would give it his all for Besiktas. I think this is like Steven Gerrard, as you mentioned, would always have Liverpool as his, you know, target destination. I think you could probably say the same for Sergei Yeltsin and Besiktas. So yeah, plus I mean, I think that he has a little bit of a negative stigma because he does only stick around for for a relatively short amount of times at the clubs. But then again, I think last season he came into Alanya Sport early in the season with an Alanya Sport that were doing really bad. We're in the I think relegation zone. Came in, turned things completely around, almost qualified for the Europa League with them. Um, he did had them playing some fantastic football, laid the groundwork for the Alanya Sport this season that was top of the table for quite some time. Um, he did really well with Alanya Sport last season, and he left at the end of the season to take the Malatya Sport job that was vacant. And again, I think he did well with the Malatya Sport. They had a good little run in Europe. Were very unlucky to get knocked out in the, in the I think the last qualifying round for the Europa League against Partizan. They were super unlucky because you know what I mean. What what got them knocked out really was the fact that there's no VR, VAR in the Europa mm. League qualifiers because they should have had a, a a stonewall penalty that would have seen them through. And they did really well in that double leg with that with, with Partizan. So he had a a good performance in Europe there. Then they had a, a, I did not expect them because I really expected them given the squad they have that they would really feel that early run in Europe and they, that they would suffer in the league. But they had a good run in the league. And yes, the last seven or so matches for them, they had only won one match away against us. But they were in a respectable position in the league table. They were in like sixth or seventh position. They were doing well. Um, and yeah. You know, I think that that you have to be realistic. Malatya Spor, if you look at their, their their squad, they have a couple of really good players. They have a good goalkeeper in Farnal. They have a really good defender in Arturo Mina. They have Guillerme, uh, and then they have Jahovic, and they have Gokantore, who is very inconsistent and stuff like that. But I've watched a lot of their matches, especially those early Europa League matches. And honestly, their fullbacks are terrible. Uh, their defense in general is terrible. The only good thing about their defense is Arturo Mina. Their midfield is mediocre at best. Only Guillerme is decent uh, there. I mean, Robin Yalcin is a decent player, but he's not... It's not going to lift you to a higher level. So they, they have a really average side with a couple of interesting players. Like like a guy like Fofana and Bifuma. Those, they aren't world beaters. They're players that also, you know, they they showed their, 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 their limited qualities in the past. They're fast and they can score a goal from time to time. But they they really don't have, compared to Alanya Spore, 
who have a have a Alliance Spore have a fantastic squad compared to Malatia Spore. He really went from a team a really good team where he was playing really good football with to a team that had a lot less footballing uh, ability and he did decent decent with them I feel and his criticism on him is that he leaves everywhere after a couple of months but I think people have to take the circumstances in, in, into account too at Gaziantep he saved them from relegation it was like mission accomplished his players weren't getting paid yeah and his players weren't getting paid and he left because he said, "Look, if you're not gonna pay my players, I'm out of here." Well, that's a little here. worrisome for us, maybe. <laughs> and and <laughs> hopefully, we'll get yeah, our guys paid. Yeah, but. I think I think you know it's different situation. Well, no, uh, like I said, I think you know, this is bad, his. That's this is his yeah, destination. Any, anyway, club. um, uh, we're we're we we're having yeah, this. Yeah, this is a long episode, con. So let's let's find a note to kind of wrap up this conversation with. Um, this week, okay, uh, on Sunday. We're going to be playing uh, Gustepe. It's it's a crazy in the opening of their it, new yeah stadium. their first match in their new stadium. It's going to be on at eight a.m. here in, in New York. So I don't even like oh man that's going to be. I think it's uh, two o'clock in the afternoon for us. I think it's uh, four o'clock in the afternoon in Turkey. And so, but this is fascinating, and I think it's a nice way for us to wrap up the conversation about a new coach. Who's going to be on the sideline on Sunday? Kukan Kishkin. Say again. Gokhan Kishkin is gonna be Gokhan Kishkin is gonna be on the is side. He, was he the assistant coach, or like how did that get decided? On? Uh, no, he was. I think he was doing uh, was like head scout or something. Mm. Uh, but he he got replaced though. Um, we just hired a new head scout like a couple of weeks ago. Uh, and but he wasn't he wasn't an assistant coach. No, he was uh, like yeah he was. I think he was in charge of a. Uh, the youth department or something, whatever. It doesn't really matter. Not the youth coach, but Damn. see, I was the youth, youth youth coordinator or something. I think he might have. I've been. said this in and our then, group chat, but I was low key hoping it would be Yasin Sulun. Um, and it, this came up in a sort of roundabout way. The Knicks recently fell apart at the seams. They had a somewhat high profile coach, uh, a kind of Abdullahi type. They fired him because mm. uh, they had a really terrible start of the season. And they brought in a kind of developmental guy, the, the, the D-League coach, which is the equivalent of the youth team, I suppose. Um, and mm -hmm. he's come in. Um, he's sort of been working on a system quietly, you know, in the depths of the, the, depths of the, the club. Clubs. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> doing his research, getting his work in. And uh, he, he's come up and he's already got more wins than the sort of high profile coach had in oh, my, two or three times as many match games. Mm -hmm. different sport um and so you know I, I just sort of randomly in mentioning that because i think it was cartel who had been talking about that or ozjan maybe one of the twins uh and uh i they were, they were like maybe that's the solution for us and so i, I sort of innocently asked them who you know who was the equivalent for us who's the who's the coach of our youth team and it was yukon who mentioned mm -hmm. that it's yasin shulun and anybody mm -hmm. who's a fan of the fifa Football series, uh, at least um, you know the old school, the original one where Besiktas just shows up. We'll remember that name. He was the Nejip of the two thousand. I remembered him being pacey. Uh, I mean, I was so young. I don't know even what I was. He was a defensive midfielder, um, but he was more serviceable than uh, Nejip. He didn't do stupid stuff all the time. But I believe that he was like the cousin of a board member or something. Nice. And that's why he got like probably a 
better career than he otherwise would have had because I think when he ultimately left Besiktas and he was only like 26, 27, like he didn't have a career at all. Just, just, uh, that was it. Yeah, yes. and, and he made a, a lot of appearances for Besiktas. I mean, he was decent, he was serviceable. I mean, look, he played quite a lot of games he in our, lot, in our yeah. one in our centenary uh, t title year, he played quite a few games there. And um, yeah, he's a, he's a youth academy product of Besiktas as well. Um, and he's been doing a good job with the youth team in the last couple of years. He's yeah. co been coaching, I believe, the under 19s. I mean, and he's think under, of all the young he, kids who have, like, we've finally seen youth kids in, you know, getting first team action and sort of yeah he's been hovering he's been around the first team a couple of years to get a couple of those kids uh, shots at the first team and then and getting them to train with the first team and uh he's he's definitely done a decent job there but um he brought I, it he got a lot of ozan aku and maybe maybe he comes in and we bring him back from istanbul sport and the little chubby kid takes the league by storm <laughs> no I, i'm kidding obviously uh but it, it was you know it would be an interesting dark horse. It, it would just be interesting to see someone come in from within the depths of the club and just suddenly, yeah, like, turn, like imagine, even if it's this Gokhan Keskin fella, whoever, whoever it is, it would be fascinating to see someone just random who, who has no name. Gokhan's a former player, by the way. He was part of the whole Metin Alifeas generation. Nice. You know what I'm saying? Like, it, it would be fun to see someone without a name come in Without, you know, knowing that they have almost no pressure because they're going to be gone anyway, and just try something yeah. novel and just blow us away. Like, how fun would that be? Yeah, but Hollywood. I, maybe. I, I think that it would be. I would be remiss if we didn't at least give Sergan a chance. No, of course. Because man. I think this is this is this is like I don't know if he's going to get this chance in four or five years. Um, I, I just want to see it, and I think you know. One more thing I want to tell with him as well, as well that he's he has you know. Remember like that reputation that Yilmaz Vural used to have, where whenever somebody would be on the hot seat for relegation, he'd come in and he'd save them, uh, and it kind of became a running joke after a while because he used to do that in in, in the early days. He'd he'd have have a couple of successful saving stories like that, but. He, he relegated a lot of teams too, and at the end, I don't, I don't even remember the last time he saved the club. So he kind of became like this running joke. But Yilmaz Vural's kind of disappeared. Like I don't remember when's he last had a Super League job. Don't say his name three times, or he'll show up. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> anyway, the thing is, show and, up and, and the smack one of our players. <laughs> Maybe some of our players could use that, but <laughs> That's true. Uh, I think the reason, part of the reason why he's kind of disappeared a little bit is because Sergen kind of took that role and was very, su very successful at it because he has proven to be very successful at coming into a club that's in, in peril and absolutely turning things around and saving their asses from relegation. No, I mean, it, the, the pieces all fit together. And, and even as we've said, as far as it may be working out long term, right? I feel like there's really no other club that Sergei Yeltsin would feel a compulsion to like really bring to something, you know? Yeah, and, and it's, I always kind of had the feeling that he just hasn't been wanting to commit full time, uh, long term to a club because I, I think he's always kind of held out to hope for a reunion. That position at Bishop, even when Senel Gunish was still in, in, in that place and he was doing a decent job at. at 
you know, Alanya Spor, and before that, I think you know, Gaziantep, and whichever club he's play, um, coached before that as well. I don't, I, by the way, I don't think he's ever uh, one of his teams is ever relegated. Um, I think he was always kind of like holding out, hold it, maybe when Chenault's gone, I can get a shot, and. Um, I think that might be part of the reason why he hasn't long-term committed. Of course, we all, who you know, th- those of us who who've grown up with 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 Sergen as as an active player, we know that he's a little bit of an eccentric fella sure and is. has an eccentric lifestyle and stuff like that. And maybe you know but he's older he's now. You know? Enough. Yeah, but maybe he's not professional enough. But the thing is, I think from what I've seen as, from him as a coach is, you know, I've seen he has this ability to turn a team. That's on. That's low on morale. That's that's derailed. To put them back on track, he's he's shown that ability. Repeat, but consistent, consistently he's shown that ability to be able to do that. But on top of that, I feel like he's shown tactical prowess as well. well he has impressed me uh, at times tactically, and also against, for example, now against us in 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 the league a couple of weeks ago. Of course, there's some luck involved there. I mean, if uh, and then he puts that chance away in the 84th minute, then we win that match. But he played a good game. He he's you know he knew how to pin us down. Uh, you know, make it uh, make it difficult for us to cl- create chances and stuff like that. And he's done. He's impressed me in the past uh, when he was coaching Alanyaspor when he was playing against Galatasaray. And I think I even remember. I think when he was at Gaziantep, he he's always been taking points from the big clubs as well with the, with those teams. Um, so tactically, he's shown some ability there too. Now the thing with Sergen is he's a question mark. He's not a guarantee for success. I think short term he's gonna do at least well enough for us to you know not relegate <laughs> but i you know the thing with him is like he's kind of, he's a question mark he could end up being bad but he could also end up being good and i think the thing with Sergen is i don't think there's like a middle row with him i think he's either gonna be meh bad or he's gonna be like impressively good well, and, just, and the thing with well, quickly while we're still talking about his sort of positives and negatives i will say mm-hmm. that you, you mentioned he's kind of the new age Yomaz Varal in terms of coming into places and having a positive impact quickly. But unlike Yomaz Varal, he has also been in the press as, as, as having a good rapport with these players, with this generation of guys. Yeah, and you know, Denis Tuluc credits him a lot for his success at Kayseri Spore. And his development as a player. And who was it? Tuluc was who was there? Was a, I remember there was a thing about it where he was joking around with one of his players about how he was... Uh, yeah, he's saying he was recommending that he be the opposite of how he was as a player. Remember, Efejan right. at Alanyaspor, who's who's one of the stars at Alanyaspor, and and uh, they had this little, uh, you know, Efejan was telling the story, and he was like, he was like, I don't know, I think he was just really happy to have worked with him, I think, and he was just gl- kind of gleefully telling the story of, uh, one one day I asked the, the coach, coach, you always ask us to run so much, but you never run as a player, you never ran as a player, you you know, you just walked, and said, and said look, the day you have a fraction of the, the talent, I, I, ha- I have... You you can stop running too or something <laughs> like that and it, but it was like said in such a you know not not in a disparaging way at all like it was like yeah, in good fun no, yeah. stuff like that. and yeah and it was and an he's, endearing he's story ha- as I recall 
Yeah, for sure, for sure. And he's, you know, he has this rapport where he's, like you said, I mean, he's gotten the best out of a lot of attacking players. And I could just see him coming into the club and, like, for example, Laij, who's not had the most amazing season. You might understand Laij. Really they, they had a yeah, similar could, career exactly. trajectory. Yeah, I, I could see him coming in and, and maybe turning things around for, for Adam Laij. And, you know, the thing with Laij is he's one of those players that we have that still has value. And if he, if he could... I'd worry. Have a good. End. I'd worry about a clash of of uh, characters between um, Sergei Yeltsin and like Burak Yilmaz, to be honest. Because <laughs> like. No, I don't think so. I think Burak has. I think guys like Burak will res- have a lot of respect for him. I mean, I guess yeah, he did kind of like Burak was very. Uh, Sort did of submissive to Shadow Gunesh, I guess, right? He was sort of. But did they did they play together? I forget because Burak came into town. They may, like of... maybe at the very okay. beginning, you know, which was funny because that was when Burak Yilmaz was a terrible <laughs> player too. I don't think they played together. Anyway, um, yeah. So, but like I said, and and oh, there's one more thing we really need to mention, like a light at the end of the tunnel with the whole Aiden Hasic saga. His transfer is gonna get finalized, yeah, and maybe even I could see Sergen give yeah. him a chance yeah. and say, "Look, yo, this kid's good. This kid's talented. Um, maybe he sees a little bit of himself in him in terms of in terms of style and whatnot. Maybe he and gives if nothing him a chance. else like a blank slate. You know, it's like uh, you could yeah, and, you could start chiseling away at exactly. who this guy is. And, and a guy like Tyler Boyd will will have mm. a renewed chance, hopefully, and get a new look. Uh, I, I just, you know, I, the thing for, for Avci was, I don't want to put everything on Abdullah Avci because he was dealt a really difficult, tough hand from the beginning. He was set up for failure in the sense that we had those injuries. Um, you know, the, the squad, while I think we had a good transfer window, and I stand by that, yeah. I think if you look at those transfers one by one individually, they were all good gets. I know, right? you can really players, kind of one set- by one talk about the players and say that they're pretty good. You know, there's nothing... Yeah, I think, you know, we... With the exception of maybe, like, Diaby. Yeah, you know, but... Ali Naibi got the type of players that people wanted. Like, like this word, we wanted a left-back. He got a good left-back in that league. Uh, he, we want, and, like, we want not to, old. And, you know, not old, right? Yeah, like, exactly. And the, the only exception is, like you say, is Diaby. But Fikret Oman said this the other day. This was... Look, Afchi wanted him, so Ali Naibi got, went and got him, yeah. you know? So, and, and the thing is... Yeah, you know, was he the right player? I think if you wanted to use him as a backup striker, then he could have been. But what's ironic was... is that Avci wanted a guy who he maybe didn't really know. Well, that's that's. Very the, well. no, I don't know. I think it's it, I think it's a weird quote for uh, for Oman to say that that Avci literally told him that we I can use him anywhere, and then he only uses him pretty much Out of in one position. <laughs> yeah, so that's that's a little weird. Makes me kind of go, huh. Maybe he's trying to shift blame a little bit. I don't know. But then he also, in the same interview, kind of said, "Oh, bitch, they should stick with Abdullah Avci. He needs time." Blah blah blah. So I don't know. But, but I feel like if he was to shift blame, the easier target would have been Ali Naivi. So to put it on Avci is like almost a little too specific to have no truth, you know. So I yeah. But I think Ali Naibi, Naibi you know, the thing with him is he's he's a uh, and with all the respect to Ali Naibi, because I, I have a lot of respect for him, but he's just someone who works for the club. He's not a board member. Yeah. He's a professional. 
that does his job. He does what he's told, and he does a great job, in my opinion. Me too. And I kind of feel like 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 people were kind of like guys like Umut Guner who had that uh, you know big role in the board before, like maybe trying to disparage Ali Naibi's work a little bit. But I think you know he did exactly what we wanted of him, and uh, it's not because a transfer doesn't necessarily work out that it's a bad transfer. Because look, I mean. Was Zlatan Ibrahimovic to Manchester United an amazing transfer? Did he do amazing there? Did he did he replicate the stuff he did at, at Paris Saint Germain? No, but he was probably he better at LA Galaxy. <laughs> yeah, a whole oh, definitely. Bit. But I mean, you know, I'm just trying to think of, of a good look. Uh, like Where is he now? Where did Zlatan go? He went to like Sweden or something. No, he signed with Milan. He, oh, okay. Uh, signed wow. AC Milan. Yeah. Man, from he LA actually, Galaxy to AC Milan. Back to AC Milan because that's the second time he's there, mm-hmm. uh, and he used to be at Inter and he played for Juventus, so he's he's got a little bit of a career there. And I think he, he scored on this return as well. Anyway, yeah, uh, we're off topic here, but um, yeah. So, but no, but there's you know, I mean, I don't want to. I think sacking Abdullah Avci is not going to fix all our problems. Far from. We have so many problems. It's going to go. It's his it's position, the best move. I think you have. It's like, remember last season we were saying, look, if we fire Shinoginesh right now, it's not going to save, it, it's not going to save our season, but we know he's leaving at the end of the season already anyway. Exactly. What's the point with sticking with him? And it's kind of the and, same thing. And like this Abdullah time we didn't, oh, like, I we think people felt like we owed Shinoginesh something, which was stupid. Like it was a terrible decision. We didn't, but Fikret Oman definitely yeah. did, apparently. But, uh, but I mean, even our fans Abdullah actually looked. But like this time... I feel like oh. everyone knows, like, this isn't working out. He's regressed back towards what we were that's, already doing. That's it. Like, I mean, all due respect for Abdullah Avci, I, I still think he's a good coach. But, like, I, I've been saying this for years. Look, at Bashakshi here is working in an environment with almost zero pressure relatively to a basic try. It is so different to learn to deal with that pressure. And that's also one of the reasons why players who come from a small club to a big club don't necessarily you know do well like for example tyler board look we saw, we all of us saw the the the, the ability he had with us for the few people who are <laughs> yeah people who are saying right now that he is like tech technically not good enough they don't know football he's got the technical ability to play for bestish the question is the does he have the mentality and that doesn't mean that he has a bad mentality but can he cope under that immense pressure of the fans because that is so such a big and unfair pressure sometimes what's important to recognize in that statement is that i think if we apply the same lens to abdullah archi this moment was bigger than him he couldn't meet it you know he he Mm -hmm. didn't have the cojones or whatever it is and he didn't have the the, the inner confidence self-esteem whatever it was to ride through the hard times and maintain I, his, I think his own principles and um it, 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 for, yeah. if for Avci to succeed he had to inherit uh, a really good squad yeah. or at without, least a squad without, with, without with, major problems. with enough resources to bring in like we mentioned i think before we recorded but like ifran kavechi um yeah. You know, uh, Edin Vizca, etc. Now, too much of too much too much pressure came on him, and for him to make it magically tactically work, I think. And um, it happened. Yeah, 
and I think it's difficult when you combine that. I think what what Avci needed was a, more experienced players. Like we already have quite a few of those, but I don't think that you, I don't think you're doing Avci favors with getting a Tyler Boyd, for example, in hindsight, because Tyler Boyd himself still has to go through that adjustment period and process. While yeah. I think that's that's a bad combination if you have a coach that's going through that process at the same time that and, I mean uh, that a player we've is. talked about how the strength of this window transfer window was getting in these guys who are in that you know 24 to 26 like you know the next gen core or whatever it was mm -hmm. and obviously like the carious thing has sort of fallen apart and people are sort of down on Robosho now or whatever but unfairly so i agree i fully agree um but yeah like that Kind people of, hold him to a ridiculously high standard of Adriano, who is who's is who's literally the best left back that's played in Turkey since Roberto Carlos. So and and generally, know, I think they're holding the whole squad to too high of a standard. Insofar as we are in this phase of sort of moving towards the next generation of developing that next core. Realistically, it would it should have been okay for us to sort of say, okay, we're not going to win the title this year. Uh, okay, we've had yeah. a rough start, but, but but I think we are okay with that. Exactly, if it weren't for the fact that everyone else was so shit. And now it's I think spiraled. Now it feels like a missed opportunity, and it really feels like any positive momentum he could have built has sunk. You know, and like he sort of redeemed himself once, but you you know, fool me once, yeah. shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. Right? Like I think uh, we can't expect another miracle stretch the way things have looked especially because we came out it, it, so flat the second half i mean you and i both agreed a couple of months ago that look he's not going to turn this around and then he kind of did yeah um uh, but there's no way back from this no like there was no way back from this because simply due to the fact that there's nothing he could do anymore. Like, yes, we could go on another six-match winning streak, but it wouldn't matter because we're out of Europe, we're out of the Cup, and we're out of the title race. Even with a six-match winning streak now, that wouldn't change anything, yeah. in my opinion. Uh, and and I think just, you know, the, the right decision... Like, we're, you're wasting six months of, of, of precious development with a new coach and, and, and giving players a chance already. And but Khan, also, you have to factor in the first surge was because he went from his tactic back to the Chanel tactic basically and so mm. but like so what would the move be now that could spur that six game winning streak right like it's not even realistic there's no more like wild cards for him to pull you know what i'm saying he he, he was de he desperately needed someone like a burak yilmaz or an adam leitch or both of them to explode like they did last season which gave us the second half of the season under Chanel Gunesh, which was still real, really good. And whereas I think he, that you he, could he, you could even realistically hope for that from Lijajic. The problem is that Lijajic's explosion came from the fact that he had a reliable partner up front. Yeah. And now yeah. we see Burak with the injuries. We were worried about this coming into the season. With the yeah. kind of form he was coming into the season with, the, the, the inconsistent ability to actually even go out there and play because of the little injuries and the kind of accumulation and, and, of injuries. Um, and and he didn't get the striker this this January, which we all expected exactly. to, to happen. But then due to the whole transfer limitations, by, you know, by the, with the TFF, which I understand why they're there. Yeah, no, um, but, but that 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 also played a part. And I think, you know, um, not having that reliable striker up top with Burak's 
performance against Sivas wasn't anything to write home about his performance. Well, you know, he came in against Erzurum and had an immediate impact. So yeah, that was. I'm not, I'm not, I'm, I don't want to write Burak off 100%, but at the, at the same time, you need I think an insurance say, policy at the very least. Yeah, you do. I mean, the guy's 34 years old and he struggled throughout the season now to get 100% fit and and uh, get sharp and informed. So. You need an insurance policy. You need a backup, and that's why I don't want to put all the blame on Abdullah Avci. I think that he's got like I don't know, thirty percent of the blame, and then like circumstance gets another thirty. You know, let's say thirty-three percent Abdullah Avci, thirty-three percent the previous board, maybe for a couple of. I mean, for not getting him general, right? For not getting him a proper striker, and and especially, and and you cannot you cannot discount the, the responsibility of the players as well. I mm -hmm. mean, but the the difference is, you can't fire and replace your players just like that, especially not given the position we're in not, financially. Yeah. And, How many can you yeah, get rid of at the same time? And, 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 and this board is not to blame for this situation, uh, no matter how many how much criticism they're getting on social media for not talking enough and whatever, but they, they don't have any responsibility on this right now. So the only thing left from those three factors, the players, the board, and the coach, the only thing you could do was fire the coach. It was the only option left to do, I think... Because this was this was a crazy day. Because you you woke up, you were up still at two at uh, a.m. Yeah, this morning I, well, you, I was. I, I, in fact, you... I was on the way down, and I was like, "Let me just check my phone." You know, like brushing my teeth. Abdi's <laughs> out. Wow. Okay, so then now now I'm yeah. struggling to go to sleep. So you... but I sort of like forced myself down. I wake up in the morning and see. Yeah. This is where I missed a vital juncture. Um, yeah, you missed you missed like seven hours Boy, of mad. us going because there was like a really there was like a five and a half hour long meeting at Nesta Timur today with Ab, with Abdullah Afshi and Ahmed Nuhchebi and the players. Um, and early this morning, the always reliable Ochtachizgi of Murat Özen reported Afshi's out. Oh, he's out. Okay, he's out. Yeah. No, they reported he's out. He's well, out. so yeah, and they that's what's so fascinating. Out. So and they, that would have been torture for me. But so I woke yeah. up. I'm reading the group chat and sort of doing this quickly. Suddenly, someone says he's staying. Right, so this is for the meeting during the meeting. Yeah, because 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 like four hours into those meetings, like the guys who were standing outside the gates from TRT, they, they were kind of like, still friendly. Oh, I don't know. It looks like he's staying. I don't know where the hell they got that information from. I think they were just trying to throw something in there because they're it was peaking. taking they're so long or in something. And they saw him smile and then, or something and then, stupid. Yeah. And then, and then Haber Global Haber Global reported he's staying. Shafak Malatya jumped on it. I think TRT jumped on it. So everyone was reporting he's staying. Except for Orta Chizgi, they were staying quiet. And then like an hour or an hour and a half later, official announcement. Abdullah is out. But you have to imagine like the, the, the roller coaster of emotions for, for the fans who have been following this throughout the day, because you were lucky that you went to sleep after you heard that news. Because I think we were all well, so kind yeah, of in so this for me of, I, I saw his staying think, yeah. and I'm fuming for like four seconds, but then I just zoomed down to the bottom. Well so this is where the day starts off yeah. in the craziest way. That's why I zoomed down to the bottom and it's like, no, he's he's out. And I'm like, how do you he's know, Cartel? And then like the next day the picture of Kartal hanging out with Murat Ozan. What? what is going on in the world <laughs> with Besiktas? Like, Kartal's getting like legit press credentials out here. Like, <laughs> it was uh, the cuckoo clock is going there. Um, man, 
Yeah, crazy, crazy day. Um, and I just, uh, you know what? I, I just want to hammer this home again. You know, if you want Besiktas news, go to Ortachiski and just ignore all the rest because those guys just pump out so much garbage. The TRT, BN, I don't care who it is. They all, they all spew yeah. so much shite. You know, it's funny. You know. <laughs> Ovinch us them saying, oh, he's staying, and then like... You, you can almost no. yeah, wait, funny. Yeah, no, you, sp- you know he's going to be wrong. You just know that there's like this this, this, this really big uh, world in, in Turkish journalism where if one guy in that posse says something, they, they all writing jump articles. on it. I mean, it's, uh, it's, it's amazing how... I mean, luckily, I think it's... Well, I mean, it, it probably happens in politics journalism too, but it, and it's probably way more dangerous and scary when it does. For sure. But it's just amazing how bad it is with football journalism. <laughs> um, we don't have to talk about yeah. the the Robinho to Besiktas stuff from when we were kids, you know, or, or um, who's the Uruguayan uh, kids? We were striker. Uh, Forlan, you know, like th- these things we've gone through. Um, <laughs> I remember the days that uh, the, 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 the the Turkish daily newspapers when I was like literally a kid, where every day it was like Mohamed Kalon and Rivaldo. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that stuff, you know. Mohamed Kalon, I think for five or six or seven years. Uh, and and Buffet Team, Bigo- no, not uh, Obefami Obe Martins. Yeah, Martins. I always wanted him. He's still active. And, and more recently, like the Chicarito, the Ospina, right? Like Chicarito now has signed with LA Galaxy, so that one's that's over. His career is over. But but there, there, at least to those rumors, there was some legitimacy. Yeah, yeah. Like, like especially with Ospina, there were was serious legitimacy yeah, yeah, that to those rumors. Happened, like a few times. Yeah. But anyway, let's wrap this thing up, Khan. Uh, we have to, again. So remember, Ghost Tepe this coming Sunday. That is January twenty sixth. Uh, New York City, Eastern Coast people here. That's 8 a.m. for the rest of you guys. As always, check your local listings. Um, yeah, man. Khan, tell us, tell them where to find us. Well, I mean, if you're listening to this, you probably know where to find us. <laughs> Hopefully. <laughs> no, uh, you can find us on Twitter, of course, at uh, Eagles underscore podcast. And you can find Sian at Sir underscore rights underscore a lot. You can find me at Rosarian, R-A-Z-Z-E-R-I-A-N. And you can, of course, always follow the mothership at Besiktas underscore int. Uh, give us a review on iTunes. If you don't yet, please do subscribe. Uh, on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, wherever you may get your podcasts. I think the only like major quote unquote major uh, host we aren't on is, is is SoundCloud. But if you're listening to podcasts on SoundCloud, then what are you yeah, doing? Get Seriously, uh, yeah, exactly. You know, there's so many great podcast apps, and you're listening to SoundCloud. <laughs> Jesus, um, no, you know, go give us a follow if you if you please. We would always appreciate it. Give us a review. Give us uh, a rating, a five star rating preferably on Apple uh, and uh, yeah subscribe so you every week you uh, get uh, the latest episodes whenever we put on an episode and please do subscribe on phone, on, right. yeah please you know I know we, we have a, quite a lot of subscribers on Podbean like I don't know like 35 40 subscribers on Podbean guys if you're listening on Podbean please subscribe on the podcast app on Apple or on Google Play or on Spotify because we are going to be moving our hosting at some point this year to Transistor. Um, 
because uh, we're joining a network probably and it's going to be free for us then for the hosting and, and you know Podbean is quite expensive and you know the qual- quality wise it's the same thing but if we join a the network then we join there you know we'll still have a separate feed and everything like that but please just if you if you don't subscribe on, on any podcast apps outside of Podbean please go and do that because uh, once we're off Podbean the new episodes won't be popping up on there yeah, anymore. We'll give you guys so ample just, time. We'll, we'll warn you. And yeah, all. yeah. This, we, we, our, our contract with Podbean is up in May, so we still have a couple of months. But, uh, yeah, I just recently moved the Football All Turka feed to Transistor, so uh, I know that if people there... I, I probably should actually put up a notification or something. That's maybe too late already. Well, never uh, too late. Yeah. Anyway, um, yeah. Anyway, so if you do subscribe on Podbean, please go and uh, get, you know, uh, Apple Podcasts or just Google Play or whatever and subscribe. Spotify. Uh, Yeah, and as always, and please don't forget, Go Bessington! Sen genelde şampiyonluk geldi. That's too much. Too many emotions for right now. Hey dude, it's, it's in the beginning, it's in the intro of every single one of our episodes. I know, I know, but I mean, in conjunction with the idea that he's going to maybe get a coach in that too. Zagan put that down yet I mean, yeah, he's got to be on the He's got to be the, the, uh, the official. We have to we have to endorse him officially. Um, for me, it's Besiktas International hopes you enjoyed this program.